0: Welcome to OffKey, a Membran Labs podcast about music's professionals for non-music professionals. I'm your host, Linda Arnold. and welcome back to Off Key. This week I'm talking to Courtney Harkin who's the head of marketing and publicity for Baseline Music. Though Courtney lives in Toronto she was kind enough to chat with me after work about how she first got involved in the music industry through working with local music venues in London, Ontario and how she came into her current role with Baseline Music. She also talked about some of the ways in which marketing activities have changed with the introduction of social media. Anyways let's get right into our conversation. You're the north to
1: my south.
0: It's never cool. um, Well, thank you for coming on to the podcast. Yeah, I really appreciate your time again today. Even though you're in Toronto with the time difference, it's always a little bit funny, but it's really nice to have you back on, Courtney. Um, so I'd kind of just like to start the episode with asking, I guess, to tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of where you grew up and things like that.
2: Um, So I grew up in Windsor, Ontario and um, was always sort of interested in the music scene um, there being so close to Detroit. We had easy access to really great um, live shows and concerts and things like that. They had a like a city bus from Windsor would travel into Detroit. So it was really easy to get there even before we had our license, driver's license and things like that. So that's sort of where my love of music began in terms of, you know, like growing up, I wasn't a musician or a singer or anything like that, but definitely a concert goer and lover. Um, and then I moved to London, Ontario to go to school. And I went to Fanshawe College there for marketing and then Right out of college, I ended up getting a job at the local um, ven- like largest venue there, the Hockey Arena, but also where it's like a 10,000 seat venue for concerts. And then the company that I was working with there at the time, it was called, the venue was called John Labatt Centre, and now it's Budweiser Gardens. The company that manages that venue that I was working for, they started managing a venue in Oshawa, Ontario, which is just about 45 minutes east of Toronto. So when they took over management of that venue, they moved me to Oshawa to run the marketing department there. And then, um, so I worked there for about five years in Oshawa. And then I ended up uh, switching gears and got a job with Live Nation in Toronto, which is the largest concert promoter in the world and worked there for a few years and then uh, partnered up with Baseline Music to launch their marketing and publicity division for musicians and industry partners.
0: Cool. Yeah, it's a cool path that you've taken because did you kind of know when you were in university and doing marketing that music was the path that you wanted to take with that because of your interest? or Not
2: at all. It actually, it was so interesting because with my love of concerts and things like that, I never really put two and two together in terms of you know, the advertising behind the concerts and how I heard about a certain band or an artist. And back then, like when I was in elementary school or high school, there was no social media in the same sense that there is now. So um, it was very traditional. Like I was, you know, in elementary school, I was still taping um, like my favorite songs on the radio with a tape and like silly things like that, that just definitely don't happen anymore. Um, so I never, I was never really like in tune with, you know, how am I hearing about this band? How am I hearing, finding out about their new songs or their new um, CD or whatever? So then when I ended up going into school for marketing at, at first, I just had this like vision that I was going to be, um, you know, like in marketing in the corporate world and climbing the corporate ladder and all of these type of things. And it wasn't until, Near the end of graduation, when I was starting to like send out my resume um, and apply for jobs, that my aunt actually recommended or suggested that I just give it a shot and send in my resume to um, the local venue in London, and you know, see see where it might take me, or see if there's you know any way that I could sort of get a job in there or what have you. And uh, even then I I had heard of a few internships that they had done with marketing students and things like that, but I still couldn't really wrap my head around like what exactly is done here. I didn't know that there was a bigger machine behind that arena. Um, it wasn't just this local arena that was like only based in London, only based in community, um, aspects, things like that. I didn't understand or know that there was this like larger company overseeing all of that. So anyways, I applied and they were in fact hiring and I ended up interviewing and they brought me on as a marketing assistant in their department of um, three marketing people. And then so that's where it all started, because uh, that opened the doors of understanding a little bit more of the back end, you know, like how how the venues go about marketing their shows. Um, And there I was working on all sorts of things. I was working on sporting events. I was working on family shows. I was working on some theater shows, things like Cirque du Soleil and things like that. Um, And then the majority of it was concerts. So it was interesting to see that back end of, you know, how these venues go about promoting their shows and um, advertising to the consumer and getting them to buy tickets, which is the ultimate end goal is, um, you know, selling tickets hopefully a sold out show and that sort of thing. And then also in, in conjunction with that, getting, you know, the free publicity around those shows to also garner additional promotions around the event. Um, and then also, you know, like radio promotions, ticket giveaways, community promotions, postering in the community, guerrilla marketing, all these things um, wrapped into sort of like one department and one position that I never really, um, even with the education, you don't really get that sort of insight in school so it wasn't until I started that I could really like see where this career in the music industry could potentially go
0: mm-hmm. yeah that's really interesting because I think especially in school like I study commerce now I've only taken a few marketing courses but they're all so principle-based that yeah I definitely applying it like I haven't had a ton of opportunity outside of this job and then like my own projects to apply it but it is so different like principles really only take you so far um what I guess at the time because I know now so many marketing positions everything pretty much is it's so centered around social media what were like you mentioned a few of them but like what were your main like with the main marketing activities I guess for those earlier jobs
2: um and it's so, it's funny to think now, but, um, when, when I started there, our department started the Facebook page for that venue and that venue was already, um, it was built five years before I got my job there. So it was already well-established in the community. Um, it was, uh, you know, well-attended the community loves and supports that, that venue wholeheartedly. The concerts generally did really well, like, um, not a. Not everything sold out, but uh, generally the concerts did well and were well attended. But we started the first Facebook page for that venue. Which now thinking, like thinking in today's world, and um, you know, speaking to students today, and like the type of things that you you would be learning in school today versus what I was learning, or you getting a, a job right out of school, um, what kind of details that would entail are significantly different. In such, you know, like it hasn't been that long. I mean. 12 years, which I guess it sounds long, but it's really not that long. Um, And the amount of changes. So back then, like when I first started, it was a lot of just still the traditional advertising mediums of like, you know, and we had a lot of larger budgets um, than then a lot of the artists I work with now have. So back then, like with those jobs, I was doing a lot of um, television advertising, radio advertising. So buying commercials on the radio stations, um, print advertising, which uh, is nowadays, it's like so expensive in comparison to what you can do with online digital marketing. And then, like I said, like guerrilla marketing. So we would do a lot of postering in the community. We would partner with community partners. So whether they, it was the local university or college, or if it was local restaurants and bars, tattoo parlors, record shops, um, clothing stores, the mall, you name it. We would um, you know, connect with those community partners and make those partnerships and then come up with some sort of deal. So whether it was a restaurant, we would give them four tickets to the show that they could use as a raffle for their customers. Um, and then in return, they would let us put up posters in their bathroom stalls and in their front lobby or whatever. And if it was the mall, they would, um, same same scenario, they would let us put up posters in certain locations, but then they would host a contest at their customer service desk. And then they would um, put that contest on their website and send it out to their email database and let people know. So then we were hoping just by flashing that specific event name, is free advertising for us and then giving them the concert tickets to give away as a contest is value added for them because they're giving something to their, um, to their customer and they're giving back to their shoppers and that sort of thing. Um, so those elements were, and then publicity was also big. So we would even go to the point of, um, I remember us packaging up like crazy food baskets to sort of like, schmooze the radio people to and we would just like pop in unannounced with these beautiful elaborate like bakery baskets or whatever or or fun like um goofy like baskets or things that we would just pop into the radio station unannounced and uh, the hosts would like love it so much or would um, want the treats so they would invite us into their studio and let us go on air and talk. <laughs> yeah so those are the sort of things and like I don't know how much of that you could really do anymore or how much of that people would really like be like yeah sure come on in and let's chat um, or what have you but that was one of the good things about working for a venue in a community that is strongly supports that venue. And I bet you they still do that today. But um we had those relationships with the media partners that we could kind of get away with that. But I remember like Valentine's Day, we'd make these oversized Valentine's cards for the radio hosts and like would bring them in with that sort of thing just to like win them over so that then they would feel obliged to talk to us about what's coming up.
0: <laughs> I mean, food so is the, always a good motivator. Yeah, so,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so those were... Those were basically our, um, when I first started, those were, those were sort of like our key components that we would use in our marketing and advertising and publicity campaigns. And then shortly after we started our Facebook group, and that was well before Facebook's algorithms were insane. And we, you know, we could, I think it was before we even had a page, we had like created a fake Personal account, and then like added a ton of people to that fake personal account to then talk to them about our shows and stuff like that, which you can't, you could try to do that now, but you can't really do that now unless you are a real person. So, yeah, and then slowly like got into more on the digital side and more into the digital marketing, and things started shifting. And the company that um, manages that venue also manages. At that point it was over 100 venues worldwide most of them in north america now um, i haven't worked with them for some years so i'm not quite sure how many they have now i would say it's probably well over 150 close to 200 and they're based out of the us and so they manage they're a facility management company and they're hired so the, in London the venue is owned by the city of London and in Oshawa the, the venue is owned by the city of Oshawa and those municipalities have hired this company to come in and manage the facility the venue on their behalf because they have the expertise and know how to run venues and know how to book shows and know how to market those shows to sell out those shows and make money so this that's what I meant by like I didn't understand this big machine that was working behind the scenes for this venue it wasn't just this mid-size, hockey arena in some secondary market, it was, you know, this US company that runs well over a hundred facilities worldwide that has these expert like publicists at their head office and have these um, marketers that have been in the industry for so long and know kind of the ins and outs and know these things and have uh, connections to Facebook. So when Facebook was starting to blow up for businesses and things like that, they you know, kind of got some of that information firsthand when it first happened and when it first came out on how to do this and that and how to properly run campaigns and kind of like the behind the scenes information versus just trying to figure it out on our own, Um, which is really cool because we would, you know, get on monthly marketing calls and hear about what other venues are doing and learn from their mistakes or learn from their successes and mimic it for our building and that sort of thing, which is really neat. So...
0: And then just to confirm, that's Live Nation, right? That like manages.
2: Sorry, that is, um, they're now called Spectra. Um, when I worked there, it was called Global Spectrum and they've since rebranded and now they're called Spectra. They run the, the building in Windsor, Oshawa, London. They run three of the buildings in Hamilton. They manage Ryerson's new facility that they opened at Maple Leaf Gardens in Toronto. Um, they have a building in Abbotsford, Penticton and Kelowna I believe and then a lot in the states and then they have some overseas as well and those range from stadiums like university football stadiums in the states to performing arts theaters to hockey arenas um they're based out of the arena in Philadelphia where the Philadelphia Flyers play so
0: yeah I was wondering when you're doing how do I phrase this question when you're Marketing for a show or like you're putting on a show at one of these venues, say for Cirque du Soleil, as an example, um, who has their own like marketing department and stuff as well. How much of it is marketing that they're doing to promote and how much is it on your guys's end as the venue, I guess, like in like I'm, it's in everyone's best interest, of course, that the show does really well, but kind of like how important. Important is that for you to make sure that the venue is upholding, you know, their end of the promotion as well. If that makes sense.
2: Yeah, and it varies greatly depending on what the show is that's coming in and who's bringing that show in. Um, so on the venue side, the venue can enter into a number of different types of deals. So they could, um, they could just be like a rental space. So somebody you know, XYZ promotions could bring in a concert and just rent the venue. And so then the venue is not liable for how well or how bad the show does. Um, It just gets a rental check and and that company typically like does all the promotions and that sort of thing. Most of the times if that happens, if the show isn't doing very well, um, I mean, I'm only speaking from personal experience. Some other venues may run it differently, but we would generally help them if they need help or give them some guidance in what works in our community and that sort of thing. Then there's a co-promotion. So then the venue, depending on what the split is, but let's say the split's 50-50. So then the venue is liable for 50% of the successes or failures. So in that case, we would like absolutely be on board and be helping and um, help support the show in any way we can, Uh, you know, because we are local and in the local community, And have all of those relationships with those media partners and radio stations and TV station and that sort of thing. For the marketing budget, typically the venue would buy the ads because we would get a better deal because we're in the community and we're booking with them constantly all the time um, versus a promoter who may only be coming in every, you know, five times a year or two times a year or something like that. Um, And then the venue also has the opportunity to buy shows completely outright. So then the venue would be liable 100% of the successes or failures. And then obviously in that case, we would be running the entire marketing campaign. We would be doing everything in our power to sell tickets. Um, with Cirque du Soleil specifically, when I was working there, they um, I can't remember what the deal was in terms of you know whether it was a shared cost or what have you, but I always remember working very directly with their marketing team and how they would work it back then is they would say, This is the budget we're working with. This is sort of the breakdown we like to see. So they because of how many shows they've done over however many years they've been in existence, they kind of found a formula that worked best for the Cirque du Soleil clientele. And so they would say, we like to see, I don't remember exactly what it is, but as an example, they might say we like to see Forty um, percent of the budget on radio, twenty uh, percent in print, and the remainder in TV, or something like that. You know, we would suggest a marketing budget breakdown based on that those percentages, um, and give that you know find figure out the rates. What are the rates for those ads? How many ads? When are they running? What months are they running? Um, and then we would also coordinate any on air promotions, like with radio stations, we would secure presenting radio partner, we would um, get proposals from all of the radio stations to tell us you know, what type of giveaways are they going to do, how many tickets do they need, meet and greets, like all these different packages. Um, And then we would present it to Cirque du Soleil or whoever the promoter may be in like a nice bundled package. And then they would approve it. And then we would execute it all in market. So it's their money. They're telling us how much we're allowed to spend sort of thing. Um, But we're working as partners to make sure that it's coordinated properly and um, everything happens the way it should
0: cool yeah I had no idea so that's that's great it's really useful to yeah know. <laughs> um I guess to fast forward a little bit to what you're doing now could you for anyone who's unfamiliar kind of explain like what baseline music is and how you know you got involved
2: I guess yeah yeah Um, so baseline music was started by somebody by the name of Sean and he, um, started the company as a music management company. And I want to say he's had it running for maybe like 10 or 11 years now. Um, and then when I, um, when I was ready to start my own business, I, um, took a job that didn't necessarily pan out the way. It was proposed in the interview when I interviewed for the job and um, realized once I was in the position that it wasn't right for me. And at that point in time, um, decided that it was maybe best for me to just go out on my own and try, try building my own business. Um, So at that point, I was connecting with some of my industry related connections that I had made over the years, just to let everyone know that. This is what I'm planning on doing. I'm I'm looking at opening my own business. Should you need marketing or publicity services, please keep me in mind. I'm open to chat, you know, that sort of thing. Um, When I reached out to Sean, I knew Sean um, from Fanshawe when, because he went to Fanshawe as well in London, Ontario. He took the music industry arts program and him and I had worked together on some cross promotions when I got the job at the venue there. So him and I had always just kind of stayed in contact, Um, obviously through social media, it makes it super easy and that sort of thing. So I had reached out to him, letting him know. And at that time he had, um, you know, maybe about four artists on his roster or something. And I just said, you know, if your artists need any of these services, I'd love to chat. And he responded just saying, you know, I have a really great idea, give me a call. And so at that point, he was in the position that he was interested in expanding baseline music beyond an artist management company. Um, So he had pitched that, you know, why don't I come on board in the sense of I would launch like develop and launch the marketing and publicity side of baseline music and sort of like run it as my own. And still, it would still almost be like I'm running my own company because, or if you look at it in the sense of like, like I'm contracted to do this or something. Um, so then there would be a marry of the two. So I I am able to work with his artists, but I'm also able to bring in my own artists or industry partners as I see fit or as I you know as they come up or um, as I'd like to like different individuals that I might want to work with. So that's what we've been doing this summer. Will be three years since I launched the marketing and publicity side of Baseline Music, and so I work with artists from different genres and different backgrounds and um, some companies that uh, aren't necessarily music-focused but have a tie-in to music as well um, and provide anything from marketing services, publicity services, and then also radio services in the sense of uh, radio servicing to campus and community radio stations.
0: Okay, cool. In a nutshell. Yeah, in a nutshell for sure. Um, And kind of, I guess now, like what we like heard a little bit about what marketing and publicity was like when you were working with the venues before, but what is that kind of like now with working with artists? Like, how is that different?
2: It's interesting because now with like the artists that I'm working with, um, you know, I think everybody knows artists, it's artists are. Not ones that are going to have these huge, massive marketing budgets. Um, there are definitely some that do, but the ones that I'm working with, they are either, you know, just starting out or they're working on their second, third, or fourth album. They, you know, they are working really hard at what they're doing and working hard for their career. Um, so a lot of their budgets are, like, a lot of the marketing that we do are very much digital based because that is the that's where they're going to get the most bang for their buck and that's where their money, their dollar, is going to stretch the furthest. So a lot of the marketing strategies are definitely behind building upon their current social media profiles or um, starting social media profiles if they don't have one, uh, finding ways to continuously grow those, whether that be in likes and follows or engagement, that sort of thing. Uh, a really big shift and focus, I feel like, in just the past year, is definitely a lot of artists are more focusing on streaming services, and Spotify is just blown up. So um, they want to get on those playlists, and they want to be seen on Spotify, and they want uh, their followers to head over to Spotify and follow them, and that sort of thing. So we're not necessarily in the Spotify playlist game right now, but um, Definitely a lot of our marketing strategies are point- pointing their campaigns towards uh, pushing people to Spotify. So that's the end game is getting people to their Spotify account to help their back end algorithms with Spotify show that people are paying attention to them. People are being directed there. People are playing their music, that sort of thing. And then on the publicity front uh, publicity for a lot of the artists is still super important. They still want to see those album reviews. They still want to see those single reviews. They still want, their name in the paper, they still want blogs to talk about them. So that a lot of that hasn't necessarily changed. So it could be anywhere from if they're releasing a single or an album, or they're on tour. With the singles and albums, it's more or less music publications and blogs. And then we focus on any traditional outlets that may be in their local area where they live, or anywhere that they have a personal connection to. And then we would go to any secondary markets, or markets nationwide if they're doing a tour um, and would focus on those individual markets at that point in time but traditionally those local newspapers in those other markets won't typically pick it up unless again there's a local connection or tie-in so whether they're performing a show there or they went to university there or or that sort of thing and then their radio campaigns getting obviously getting the spins on the radio stations especially the ones that Uh, track that sort of thing and chart um, is really important for their monetary gain. So yeah, some artists hire us for all three services. Some artists hire us for just marketing. Some artists hire us just for publicity. It just all depends on what their current goals and objectives are and um, what they feel they need the most assistance in with what they're doing.
0: Okay. With working with an artist on like social media, for example, how involved, I guess, do they – I mean, of course, I'm sure they're very involved, but in terms of communicating with their audience and stuff on social media, does it kind of differ artist to artist how much involvement they want with that or do a lot of artists prefer to like kind of run their own social media and then kind of go to you for advice more so than like content creation, for example, or engaging with
2: their followers? Yeah, it's so different artist to artist. I have some artists who – Um, they love, like, they love nothing more than to like do all their posts, write on all their own copy, um, communicate with their fans, reply to comments, reply to messages, that sort of thing. Um, they're very comfortable in that scene. They, you know, definitely want to keep it in their own voice and that sort of thing. Um, and then I have other artists where, so in that, in that scenario, in the back ends, we would be working together on a content calendar. I would be advising, like helping advise on different thoughts and ideas on you know, what to post, when to post, um, and then getting them to think about new things that we could be doing down, down the road and that sort of thing. Helping with their advertising, uh, running the campaigns, um, providing them with any of the stats in the end, and then most of it is also the monitoring. A lot of them, because a, where a lot of them are at the moment, a lot of them don't have managers or don't have um, booking agents. So they're doing a lot of the booking of their tours on their own and a lot of the stuff they're still doing on their own. So if I can take one thing off their plate in the sense of monitoring monitoring those campaigns to start and stop or reallocate money somewhere else if those campaigns aren't running properly or aren't running as well as we'd hope. They don't have to go in and monitor those daily and figure out what's going on and that sort of thing. That takes a lot off their plate um, because they don't really have the time to do that when they're trying to, you know, rehearse and practice or record or book their tour or whatever else they've got going on. Um, a lot of them also still have jobs outside of music as well. And then I do have artists that are totally fine with me just going in and posting for them. You know, we again we still work on scheduling and creating a content calendar and doing those sort of things. And in all scenarios, I can help suggest copy to them and then they can adjust it as they see fit. Um, but I definitely do have some artists that are like, no, you can go in and post it. Or if they're if they're currently touring, sometimes they just don't have the time. So then at that point, they may say like, yes, just go in and post for me. That'd be great sort of thing. But they still, you know, we still work on copy together. So they know what's being posted. They know what's being said, they can adjust it if they feel like it doesn't feel like it fits their their voice and their brand. So yeah, it just def- it definitely depends on how comfortable they are with it, um, and then also time timing and if they've got the time or if they're touring and busy or traveling or flying or whatever it may be, then I may step in and do it for them.
0: Okay, cool. What are kind of some of the major challenges that you see when I guess in your role or like just working with artists in general? Um, doing something that is so tied to them and like their work yeah if you are doing social media because you become their voice like what are some of the big challenges with that
2: so I would say the biggest challenge and not necessarily in the sense of um, tied to their work and their voice but more just the challenges I think that everybody feels especially now with all of the changes in Facebook's algorithms and Instagram's algorithms and those constant changes that one minute one strategy for advertising might work and the next minute you feel like your ads just aren't going anywhere or they're not performing how they used to that would be a really really big challenge um i would find another challenge is i still very much can see the benefit in social media advertising and digital advertising um And some challenges may be when you get an artist who may not trust the process or may be skeptical on, you know, like, why should I have a Facebook business page? And why can't I just run everything through my personal page? And why do I have to spend money? And these sort of questions and trying to showcase to them the value in these elements of their campaign and in marketing. You know, I find that marketing and publicity are it's there's so many layers that i feel like you need to you need to build on these layers for them all to work and to be synchronized together and i don't think one is greater than the other so i feel like if you're only focusing on getting reviews and you're not doing anything else it's not going to build this campaign around you and around your career and around your release or your tour the way you think it is one single review or one single interview with the local newspaper is not going to sell your tickets to your show or going to bring you in new fans to buy your music and to support you down the road you also need these other elements of nowadays it's definitely you know social media you need to be continuously bringing in new fans you need to secure them so then when you're back in the market you can remarket to them for your new show or your new album and record And being able to communicate them when you're not on the road and being able to show them, you know, that you're a real person and that you do other things other than just trying to sell them tickets and sell them albums. You know, that one newspaper article isn't just going to sell you tickets, but you also need the advertising to back it up because a lot of marketers know it doesn't, it's not the first time somebody's going to see something that they're going to decide to buy tickets. It usually takes you know, approximately five times before somebody makes a buying decision. So if you're servicing them ads, that's super important. So it's that education process. I have a lot of artists that totally get it and are totally on board, and they're fine with it. Um, and then I've also worked with artists that are just very skeptical, and I I can totally I I get it and I understand because they just assume Facebook is this giant and they're just trying to take a bunch of money from you, which is totally true. But if you're trying to do everything organic it's not going to get us far and it's a slow build and it's a slow burn, but you need to put just a little bit of money behind it in order to again, help boost up that profile and help build amongst those layers within your marketing campaign that you're trying, trying to accomplish.
0: Totally. Yeah. There's so yeah. much. I'm sure if you are someone that is a little bit, Adverse or like a little bit insecure in like the social media landscape, like approaching that must be extremely daunting and just kind of like, why? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I know that you guys at baseline just announced that you're working um, with a new artist. Could you tell me a little bit more about that? And then as well, I guess um, who are some of the other artists that you work with and represent?
2: Yes. So we just announced that, um, Sean has just signed on Noah Reed onto his management roster. And Noah is well known for his um, involvement in CBC's TV show, Schitt's Creek. The one episode specifically when he played um, uh, Tina Turner's cover of Simply the Best, Um, he played the acoustic version him at him and David's apothecary shop. They had an open mi- open mic night, and he played that song for David during that episode. And from that, his cover of that song um, hit number three in the iTunes Canada charts. So then that brought a lot of fans. You know, a lot of fans watching the show didn't realize that he's actually a musician. Um, and he also does film, and he also works on the stage and stuff like that as well. So multiple multiple talents. With Noah. Um, But that brought a lot of people to his Spotify page and showcased light on his debut album that he currently has on Spotify. Uh, So, coming up this year, he'll be releasing a brand new album, which we're really excited about. So, yeah, so that's a new artist that Sean has brought on. Um, And then on the management side, Sean also manages Sarah McDougall, which you guys have had on your podcast as well. And a band from Ireland called Hermitage Green, who was just um, in February, was just in Canada touring with The Trues and Ruben in the Dark. Uh, both bands had been over to Ireland to tour with them. So they sort of returned the favor and Hermitage Green came here and, and toured with uh, with those guys. So those were really great shows. And we're hoping to have them back in Canada very soon. I work with um, I worked with Sarah on her new record um, in marketing and publicity and radio Um, And then I work with Hermitage Green. A lot of their stuff is just on the back end of just brainstorms and that sort of thing, um, because I don't do anything with their stuff overseas. But when they were here, I did work with them on the publicity front, and then uh, we'll be doing the same when they come back. And with Noah, I hope there will be definitely some involvement on the marketing and publicity side as well, which would be really great. And on the marketing side right now, I um, the very first artist that I brought on to the marketing roster when I launched the marketing side, uh, an artist by the name Noah Dirksen. He is originally from Winnipeg, um, but he also went to university in Vancouver. So he, um, I worked with him on his latest record and he's coming out with a new album this year. So I'm working with him right now he's releasing the album in a few different parts. So we just rele- he just released part one and we, uh, so we're working together on the publicity side for that. And then I also have an artist, um, Jean-Vivre from Montreal and her focus, it's really cool working with her because she is, um, she's releasing her second full length album, but it's going to be her first bilingual album. And she has a strong focus of expanding beyond Quebec. Um, She's obviously very in tune and tied in with her francophone roots and um, that sort of thing. But she also has a vision of expanding her career and she wants to reach more people and that sort of thing. So uh, we began discussions about that just because... um, of the the different type of reach we have across Canada versus what she's been used to in Quebec. Uh, So it's been really great working with her. Her album comes out at the end of May and we're actually gearing up to release part two of her album um, with the next three singles at the beginning of April. Um, So she's been really fun to work with as well. So those are some of our like current artists we're working with that are active at the moment.
0: Okay, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. If someone kind of whether they're like a student or, you know, just kind of getting into the music industry, would you have any advice for them on kind of how they can get involved in marketing and publicity or maybe like working with venues or anything like that?
2: Anyone I talk to, I tell them that any sort of thing that you can pad your resume with that will put you above and beyond your competitors basically. Uh, so whether that's volunteer, whether that's internships, um, part-time jobs within the industry, anything you can do that will give you that essential experience that's going to put you above and beyond the rest. So I was so fortunate that I got that, you know, the first, um, job that I received in London that my boss took a chance on me because, um, aside from my, retail gigs that I worked in high school and throughout college, um, and then my, my education, I didn't, I didn't take any, I didn't do any internships or any volunteer work, um, within the industry specifically. So, um, I was so fortunate enough that I was able to get that position out of college, but since then I've worked with a number of university and college students as interns for departments that I've worked in. And I find it so valuable and so important, even when the interns may think that they're doing tasks that are daunting or not valuable, Valuable, just the fact that you're able to be surrounded by the industry and by what's happening and what's going on and learn from the people who are, you know, overseeing your internship or what have you. It's That sort of thing is so important and provides so much more depth to your resume than what just your education is going to provide i feel like the way that um i don't want to say the market is because that's not the right word but you, there's just so many people graduating school and i find especially in the music industry a lot of people think look at the music industry as being you know just like really cool and like these gigs are super cool to work in and they'd be so much fun and that sort of thing so you got to think a lot of people are thinking that way and a lot of people want to land those jobs. Um, they're high, highly sought after and which makes it more difficult to get in. So anything that you can do. I know, you know, most internships are free and volunteer work is free and that's hard to do, especially if you're trying to juggle a school schedule and a part time job or whatever it may be. But I had an intern once who had, I want to say he had two internships a part-time job, plus you're going to university. And um, so it can be done. I think you just need to learn how to prioritize and organize your life and figure out what's most important to you. Is it going out on weekends and having fun with your friends? Or is it getting your education, getting valuable experience so you can land your dream job afterwards? I think each person needs to figure that out on their own. But that would be my biggest advice is doing whatever you can. So whether it's volunteering at festivals, so if there's a really cool festival most festivals seek out volunteers because they just need all of the manpower that they could potentially get to help run those festivals. So volunteer at those festivals. Most of them happen annually. Volunteer at them every year. If you're in school for two years, three years, four years, volunteer at them every single year. Find out what music music companies in your area offer internships. Is it a record label? Is it the local promoter? Is it the local venue? And apply for those internships and apply for them again if you don't get them and just keep applying. And then, yeah, try and get a part time job at your local venue, even if you're just working the guest list or working the box office or working the merch table. Again, you're still you're entrenching yourself in the industry You're you can see what's going on around you. You can start to visualize sort of the happenings and what what goes into putting on a show and what goes into making these things happen and and run properly and that sort of thing. And those experiences are going to put you above the rest when you're trying to get a job afterwards.
0: Mm-hmm, yeah, it's definitely just, I think, I guess a big, big old hustle. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any big projects kind of coming up later this year? Um... Or is everything kind of like on the shush? <laughs> <laughs>
2: There, um, well, there's w- one really cool artist that Sean's working with. We haven't announced it publicly yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to be working with them on their releases and that sort of thing. And it's very, um, it's unique. It's it's still music, but it's very unique in, in terms of the messaging and this person's uh, career and background and what they're known for. Um, so that's going to be really fun. But again, we haven't really announced anything publicly yet. So stay tuned for that. Otherwise, um, I would say just definitely check out Sarah McDougall's newest record. Check out Hermitage Green when they come back to Canada. Check out Noah's music now and stay tuned for his new music coming down the road. Um, And also uh, Jean-Pierre and Noah Dirksen, too, because they're all coming out with new music. So check them out, go follow them on Spotify, add them all to your playlists and all of that fun stuff.
0: (laughs) Cool. Thank you.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: And if people do want to stay up to date with what baseline is doing, kind of where can we find you guys?
2: Our website is BaselineMusic.ca, and all of our social profiles are linked there and you can find us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Facebook and Instagram are used the most twitter is used a little bit but yeah you can find us there you can find our emails there if anybody has any questions you can check out our roster lists and see what type of artists we work with and that sort of thing
0: cool thank you so much courtney
2: thank you so much for having me
0: it's mag Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode, and thanks again to Courtney for coming onto the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a rating and review on iTunes. If you have any topics that you'd like me to bring up with one of our next guests, please either email me at offkeymembran.net at or send me a message at either Membrand Labs or Linsa Arnold on Instagram. Offkey and Fault Tolerant, our sibling podcast on tech and blockchain, are both produced by Membran Entertainment Canada, aka Membran Labs, a music services company that provides music distribution services for the export of Canadian music. We're also exploring blockchain technology to create a more transparent and secure ecosystem for music's rights owners to get paid. If you're interested in recording your own podcast at Membran Labs, you can find out more on our website at www.membranlabs.com. That's it for now. I'll see you next Monday and play you out with Magnetic Love by Geneviève Reset. Thanks. Bye.
1: Out of the corner of my eye, I see you walking in. I should be surprised to run into you again But ever since we met, I guess deep down I've always known I keep coming back to you no matter what I do or where I go